ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय नारायण नमस्कृत नरम चरोत्तम देवी सरस्वती व्यास तथो मुदीरएत नष्ट प्राएद्रेशु नित्यम भागवत सेवया भगवत्युत्तम श्लोके भक्तिर्भवतिनाष्ठिकी before reciting the Srimad Bhagavatam, which is the very means of conquest, one should offer respectful obeisances unto the personality of Godhead Narayana, unto Naranarayan Rishi, the supermost human being, unto Mother Saraswati, the goddess of learning, and unto Srila Vyasadeva, the author. By regular attendance in the classes on Bhagavatam and by rendering of service to the pure devotee, all that is troublesome to the heart is almost completely destroyed, and loving service unto the personality of Godhead, whose praise with transcendental songs is established as an irrevocable fact. नमो विष्णुपादा कृष्णप्रेष्ठा भूतले श्रीमते भक्तिदातस्वामीना नमस्ते सारस्वते देवे गौरवाणी प्रचारिणे निर्विशेष शून्यवादी पाश्चातिणे जय श्रीकृष्णचैतन्य प्रभुनंदीअदाधर श्रीवासादिगौरभक्तवृंद हरे कृष्ण हरे कृष्ण 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 हरे 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 राम हरे राम 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 हरे हरे Welcome to the episode 2 of uh, Sri Narasimha Leela. So yesterday we have read about the um, the pregnancy and the curse of Jay and Vijay at the gate of Vaikuntha and how they were how Diti has had conceived these two great souls in her womb as two big demons. So now we will uh, look at their birth and also how Hiranyaksha Uh, was killed by Lord Varahadev. I thought of first not doing the episode of Varahadev, but since it is a continuation of the story, so since there were two the two brothers, and we might as well go through the pastimes of Lord Varahadev as well, and then after that, Narasimhadev. So we, you get a full picture of the story. Right before we proceed further, we will just check if the audio levels all right. <coughs> all right, it looks all right. So, in fact, there is a temple in uh, Vishakhapatnam in Andhra Pradesh. Uh, there, there is this uh, temple of Varaha Lakshmi, Varaha Narasimhadev. So, in fact, Varaha came to kill Hiranyaksha. Narasimhadev came to kill Hiranyakashipu. In the other two. <coughs> uh, Ravana and Kumbhakarna and Shishupal and Dantavakra. Krishna killed both the brothers. But in this uh, episode, one one brother got killed by one incarnation and another brother by another incarnation, another avatar. So here we have the 17th chapter of the third canto, victory of Hiranyaksha over all the directions of the universe. So yesterday we have read that Lord Brahma said, you know, now that the two great souls have taken birth, uh, the Lord Himself knows all the details of these things, and He Himself will come to our rescue. So after Brahma said that, so the second, this next chapter starts there. Sri Maitreya said, the demigods, the inhabitants of the higher planets, were freed from all fear upon hearing the cause of the darkness explained by Brahma. who was born from vishnu thus they all returned to their respective planets 
<clears throat> the virtuous lady Diti had been very apprehensive of trouble. One second. The virtuous lady Diti had been very apprehensive of trouble to the gods from the children in her womb, and her husband predicted the same. She brought forth twin sons after a full 100 years of pregnancy. So actually, Diti had the power to keep the children within her womb for 100 years because she was very, she knew that their sons will be trouble for everybody, for the whole demigods and the whole universe. So she did not want the trouble to come very soon. So she held them as much as she could and she did for 100 years. You know, she brought forth twin sons after a full 100 years of pregnancy. It's unprecedented, you know. Usually when there is force, I mean the, the, the air of parturition, parturition will push the baby downward. But Diti could manipulate, she is so powerful, you see. So she could control that and kept the babies in her womb. On the birth of the two demons, there were many natural disturbances, all very fearful and wonderful in heavenly planets, the earthly planets and in between them. So when there are too many natural disturbances, we should understand that there are demoniac people taking birth and these are telltale signs of calamities. <clears throat> there were earthquakes along the mountains on the earth and it appeared that there was fire everywhere. Many inauspicious planets like Saturn appeared along with comets, meteors and thunderbolts. You see, <laughs> if you actually see the 2020, the year 2020 that we are in now, in the, in the January, there were fire everywhere in the Australia, North Australia, I mean the whole Australia, there were so many bushfires and then earthquakes, every now and then we have news and then many inauspicious planets like Saturn, I think this, this current thing also something to do with uh, Saturn, this, this coronavirus, the whole situation. There was one boy who is a Krishna devotee who actually predicted this, uh, he's just a small, I think 12 year old boy maybe, he predicted this. Um, this whole uh, disease would happen way back in September last year, August last year. He already predicted that December to around May will be very intense. So that's exactly what is happening. So these are all telltale signs. <clears throat> there blew winds which were most uninviting to the touch, hissing again and again and uprooting gigantic trees. They had storms for their armies and clouds of dust for their ensigns. The luminaries in the heaven were screened by masses of clouds in which lightning sometimes flashed as though laughing. Darkness reigned everywhere and nothing could be seen. The ocean with its high waves wailed aloud as if stricken with sorrow and there was a commotion among the creatures inhabiting the ocean. The rivers and lakes were also agitated and lotuses withered. Misty halos appeared around the sun and the moon during solar and lunar eclipses again and again. Actually, when this lunar eclipse happened, lunar? Was it lunar? Solar eclipse? Whichever. The, th the eclipse that happened in December. So, I was actually outside. So, I saw around the sun, I mean around the whole thing was a halo. You know, halo means like a, a misty round circle, you know around the eclipse. So I knew, I was, because I already read this part before, 
so I knew this was this is not auspicious it looks nice it looks wonderful it, it looks like a spectacle but it is a sign of a mm, unpleasant future the misty halos appeared around the sun and the moon during solar and lunar eclipses again and again claps of thunder were heard even without clouds and sounds like those of rattling chariots emerged from the mountain caves so these are all the signs of omens you know who was expert at the signs of these omens what is a good omen what is a bad omen when they when they hear when they see these things they know what to expect <coughs> in the in the ramayan uh, bharat you know ram's brother bharat of course they are all avatars of krishna but uh, he was especially expert in the signs of omens <coughs> so these are all not just superstitions some of course became superstitions they were not mentioned in the shastras but in the shastras there is actually the sign of omens like it is said that when we are going out somewhere for example uh, if somebody crosses our path with a bucket full of water that means it's an auspicious sign or a pot full of water and if they are walking with an empty bucket or empty pitcher of water um then that is a telltale sign of something not very pleasant so in this way i mean there are so many things so many things um in ramayana it is actually mentioned all these things and here also we see some of this in in other places also when krishna left this world yudhishthir maharaj was seeing so many signs because he did not know that krishna left arjuna knew arjuna was coming back from dwaraka to hastinapur and yudhishthir maharaj already he knew something he expected the worst that krishna had already left this world because he was seeing so many signs which were inauspicious so here also in this chapter we will see so many signs which are inauspicious so claps of thunder were heard even without clouds and sounds like those of rattling chariots emerged from the mountain caves in the interior of the villages she jackals yelled potentously vomiting strong fire from their mouths and jackals and owls also joined them with their cries you know uh, you know they have this um, i think in movies also we have seen when the jackal you know they will cry like this in the, in the night and these are all actually even dogs do that and even that is also yeah here the next verse raising their necks the dogs cried here and there now in the manner of singing and now of wailing so when the ghosts uh, you know even when the ghosts come the dogs can see so they will raise their necks and you know they will wail they will not just woo 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 that, that is different but woo like that kind of sound that is um it it is uh, inauspicious there's something you know they can see something which we can't see like you know this and even they have sixth sense they have this sense that something is wrong so they do this so when we see this you can we can understand that something is wrong you know oh vidura the asses ran hither and thither in herds striking the earth with their hard hooves and wildly braying frightened by the braying of the asses birds flew shrieking from their nests while cattle in the cowsheds as well as in the woods passed dung and urine cows terrified yielded blood in place of milk from the udder blood was coming out clouds rained pus and the images of the gods in the temples shed tears and trees fell down without a blast of wind so that sometimes the deities when we see tears in their eyes 
that means there is something not auspicious. Ominous planets such as Mars and Saturn shone brighter and surpassed the auspicious ones such as Mercury, Jupiter and Venus as well as a number of lunar mansions. Taking seemingly retrograde, retrograde courses, the planets came in conflict with one another. Astrologers will know these things more clearly. Marking these and many other omens of evil times, everyone but the four sage sons of Brahma who were aware of the fall of Jaya and Vijaya and of their birth as Diti's sons were seized with fear. They did not know the secrets of these portents and thought that the dissolution of the universe, universe was at hand. So everyone in the universe, you know, especially the demigods, they were all overtaken by fear. Except these four Kumaras who knew what was happening. Uh, they knew that Jay and Vijay, because of their curse, they had to come down and then they were going to take birth. They already took birth in, as Diti's sons. So the others, they did not know the secrets of these portents or these, these evil omens. And they thought that the universe is going to be destroyed. This was time for the dissolution. But they knew it was not. But so they, they were all confused. These two demons who appeared in ancient times soon began to exhibit uncommon bodily features. They had steel-like frames which began to grow just like two great mountains. And they immediately, when they took birth, they immediately started to grow already, you know, very fast. They exhibited uncommon bodily features. They had such strong bodies, steel-like frames. Their bodies became so tall that they seemed to kiss the sky with the crests of their gold crowns. They blocked the view of all directions and while walking, shook the earth at every step. Their arms were adorned with brilliant bracelets and they stood as if covering the sun with their waists, which were bound with excellent and beautiful girdles. Prajapati Kashyapa, the creator of the living entities, gave his twin sons their names. The one who was born first, he named Hiranyaksha, and the one who was first conceived by Diti, he named Hiranyakashipu. So what is this? They were twins, but there is a there is a signs of pregnancy. It is there the Shastra, which is explained in the purport here. You see, he named the one who is born as Hiranyaksha. You see, one who first Hiranyaksha and who first received, he named Hiranyakashipu. So, anyway, you will see in the purport, you see the explanation. There is an authoritative Vedic literature called Pindasiddhi, in which the scientific understanding of pregnancy is very nicely described. It is stated that when the male secretion enters the menstrual flux in the uterus in two successive drops, the mother develops two embryos in her womb and she brings forth twins in a reverse order to that in which they were first conceived. So, the first, the first embryo and the, in two successive drops when the, and the male secretion enters the menstrual flux in the uterus, two successive drops. The first drop goes behind and the second drop comes in front and when the embryos develop, the second one which was here will come out first. So, he will, be, he will come out first and the one who was first inside, so he will come out later because there is only one entrance and one, the same is the exit. So, first in, last out. So, first in, first out, that means there are two exits. So, first one goes in and the first one comes out, you know, but because it is only one, exit and entry is the same. So, 
first in, second in, and then the second one will come out first, and, the, and then the first. So that's explained. So the brother and she were twin, they were first conceived. Child conceived later, and conceived is brought first. First child conceived the womb behind the second child. You see? The first conceived child will be, live behind the second child in the womb. So, so when the second child appears first and the first child appears second, case it stood that the second child conceived was delivered first, whereas Hiranyakashipu, the child who was behind him, having been conceived first, was born second. So learn biology. Everything is there in our scriptures. The elder child Hiranyakashipu was unafraid of death. You see, the elder child, although the, he was born later, he is understood to be the elder child. He is not taken as a younger child. The elder child Hiranyakashipu was unafraid of death from anyone within the three worlds because he received the benediction from Lord Brahma. Actually, we will receive this later. But when this was being narrated, this was only 5000 years ago. So at that time, this pastime was already long happened before, millions of years back. So. That's why he's mentioning that he received a benediction from Brahma. Actually, he received this later after the death of Hiranyaksha. So anyway, so he was afraid of death from anyone within the three worlds because he received the benediction from Lord Brahma. He was proud and puffed up due to his due to this benediction and was able to bring all three planetary systems under his control. The heaven planets, the earthly planets, and the hellish planets, everything was under him under his control. Hingadar, Hiranyaksha was ready to satisfy his elder brother by his activities. Hiranyaksha took club on his shoulder and travelled all over the universe with a spirit just to satisfy Hiranyakashipu. Okay, so this is from third canto, uh, chapter, verse 14. Shri Manu said, O all-powerful Lord, so we have seen that Varaha, I mean uh, Hiranyaksha was in the ocean. Now Varaha, what, hap what is happening in the meantime in the heavenly planets? So Manu said, Manu is the son of Brahma. So he said, O all-powerful Lord, O killer of all sins, I shall abide by your order. Now please let me know my place and that of the living it is born of me. O master of the demigods, please attempt to lift the earth which is merged in the great water because it is the dwelling place for all the living entities. It can be done by your endeavor and by the mercy of the Lord. So he is requesting, Manu is requesting Lord Brahma to lift the earth. There is still some disturbance. Hopefully, okay, becoming a little better now. Okay, let's go on with the reading. So he requested uh, Brahma to lift the, help lift the earth from the Garbodhaka ocean. This, then this was what happened. Shri Maitreya said, Thus, seeing the earth merged in the water, Brahma gave his attention for a long time to how it could be lifted. Because he did not know what to do. Lord Brahma himself did not know how to save the earth. What to do now? Brahma thought, While I have been in the process of creation, the earth has been inundated by a deluge and has gone down into the depths of the ocean. What can we do who are engaged in this matter of creation? It is, a bet, it, is, it is best to let the Almighty Lord direct us. So, he did not know what to do. He had no idea how to do it. And he just thought, you see, this is Lord Brahma. Lord Brahma is the powerful creator of this universe. But 
you know, without the Lord, uh, he is nothing. Not less, I mean, best. Let him direct us. O sinless Vidura, all of a sudden, while Brahma was engaged in thinking, a small form of a boar came out of his nostril. So it came out of his nostril, from his nose. So the Lord bore, I mean the Varaha, he came like that, from the nostril of Lord Brahma. The measurement of the creature was not more than the upper portion of a thumb, like this, you know, like this thumb. And he, he was not much bigger than this, he was not more than upper portion of a thumb, very small like this, you know, small bore like this. Listen in Bharata, while Brahma was observing him, that orb came situated in the sky in a wonderful manifestation as gigantic as a great elephant. Struck with wonder at observable like form in the sky, Brahma with great Brahmanas like Marichi as well as the Kumaras and Manu began to argue in various ways. <laughs> they were arguing, who is this, what is this? Is this some extraordinary entity coming in the pretense of a boar? It is very wonderful that he has come from my nose. First of all, this boar was seen no bigger than the, than the tip of a thumb and within a moment he was as large as a stone. My mind is perturbed. Is he the Supreme Personality of Godhead Vishnu? While Brahma was decorating his sons, the Supremacy of Godhead Vishnu roared tumultuously like a great mountain. The omnipotent Supreme Personality of Godhead and live in Brahma and the other highly elevated Brahmanas. By again roaring with his uncommon voice, which echoed in all directions. When the great citizen thinkers who are residents of Naloka, Tapal and Saloka heard the tumultuous voice of Lord Bore, which was, all, which was the all-auspicious sound of the all-merciful Lord, they chanted auspicious chants from the three Vedas. So even though he was shouting like a boar, uh, his sound is different from ordinary boar. Hmm. And they immediately could understand that this was Vishnu. They started chanting all the Vedic prayers. Playing like an elephant, he entered into the water. This is the Garbodaka ocean. After roaring again in reply to the Vedic prayers to, by the great devotees, the Lord is the object of the Vedic prayers and thus he understood that the devotees' prayers were meant for him. When they were all the Brahmanas, the ch- sages and everybody was chanting so many hymns from the Vedas, so many shlokas, then he understood, you know, so he replied by his roaring, you know, and then he dived deep into the, then what he did. Before and water rescued earth, Lord Bor flew in the sky, slashing his tail, his hard hairs quivering. His very glance was luminous and he scattered the clouds in the sky with his hooves and his glittering white tusks. He was personally the Supreme Lord Vishnu and therefore transcendental. Yet as he had the body of a hog, he searched after the earth by smell. He searched after the earth by smell. His tusks were, tusks were fearful and he glanced over the devotee brahmanas engaged in offering prayers. Thus he entered the water. Okay, you may, we may think why the Lord has to... Uh, take the form of a boar, a pig. So, the, the answer is that the pig, hog, they are always near the garbage, dirty areas. So, the earth was below, you know, in the, in the, in the Garbhodaka ocean. And just above the Garbhodaka ocean are the hellish planets, hellish planets. And above that is the Pathal Loka. And then all the the, the planetary systems. So, it is actually considered like a dirty region of the uh, universe where all the sinful people usually reside, that area. So, therefore, because he was going to a dirty place, uh, he took the body of a 
hog. The earth man, his response to the Brahmana's engaged prayers, thus he entered the water. Diving into the water like a great mountain, like a giant mountain, Lord Bore divided the middle of the ocean and two high waves appeared as the arms of the ocean, which cried loudly as if praying to the Lord, O Lord of all sacrifices, please do not cut me in two. Kindly give me protection. You know, when you throw a stone into the water, it will splash, especially a big boulder. It will splash and the water will just rise like that. So, here also the waters of the ocean, the Garbhodaka ocean, were, you know, flew upwards, you know, when he dived into the water with great force. And then the water just rose up, like as if two arms were coming. Oh, please do not cut me in two. God penetrated the water with his hooves, which were like sharp arrows. No. It was very fast, extremely fast. And found the limits of the ocean. You know, Lord Bore penetrated the water with his hooves, which were like sharp arrows, and found the limits of the ocean, although it was unlimited. See, the two billion miles deep. How fast he went. And he found the limit of the ocean. He saw the earth, the resting place for all living beings, lying as it was, lying as it was in the beginning of creation. And he personally lifted it. It submerged into the ocean and way below at the depths of the ocean. And he lifted it from there, you know, personally with his two tusks. Lord Bore very easily took the earth on his tusks and got it out of the water. Thus he appeared very splendid. Then his anger glowing like the Sudarshan wheel, he immediately killed the demon Hiranyaksha, although he tried to fight with the Lord. Okay. Now, this is the verse 31. This is where he killed. So, how he killed that description. Why Now, we go back to the um, chapter 18. Here it is just mentioned that he killed Hiranyaksha. But how he killed Hiranyaksha, that description is there in the 18th chapter of the third canto. Okay, hopefully this is a bit faster. Battle between Lord Bor and the demon Hiranyaksha, chapter 18 of the third canto of Bhutan. The proud and falsely glorious Daitya paid little heed to the words of Varuna. Hmm? O dear Vidura, he learned from Narada the whereabouts of the Supreme Personality of Godhead and hurriedly betook himself to the depths of the ocean. You know, he heard from Narada, where is it? After he heard from Varuna that, oh, Lord Vishnu will be the best fighter for you. Then, you know, he Narada Muni told him, Narada Muni told his demon where to find him. He is in the, now in the depths of the ocean, he is there. Huh? Really? Then he went to the depths of the ocean. He saw there the all-powerful personality of Godhead in his boar incarnation, bearing the earth upward on the ends of his tusks and robbing him of his splendor with his reddish eyes. The demon laughed, Oh! <laughs> an amphibious beast! You know, he's like, The demon is the Lord. Oh, best of the demigods, dressed in the form of a boar, just hear me. This earth is entrusted to us, the inhabitants of the lower regions. And you cannot take it from my presence and not be hurt by me. That means, if you want to take this earth, you have to fight me first. He said, rascal, he, he, he was addressing the Lord like this. You rascal, you have been nourished by our enemies. Who is his enemies? The demigods. 
because they do yajnas and offer all the offerings to Lord Vishnu, he is thinking, oh, by those offerings only you became so much, you much, you have been nourished by all the yajnas they did. Huh? You rascal, you have been nourished by our enemies to kill us and you have killed some demons by remaining invisible. Oh fool, your power is only mystic. So today I shall enliven my kinsmen by killing you. I will Today I will bring happiness to the daityas, the demons, by killing you. The demon continued. When you fall dead with your skull smashed by the mace hurled by my arms, the demigods and sages who offer you oblations and sacrifice and devotional service will also automatically cease to exist like trees without roots. You are the root for, you know, you are the one who is giving strength to all of them. Hmm? When you fall dead, they will also be finished. by my mace. You know, he was talking like this. Although the Lord was pained by the shaft-like abusive words of the demon, he bore the pain. But seeing that the earth on the ends of his tusks was frightened, he rose out of the water just like an elephant emerges with its female companion when assailed by an alligator. See? The, he was holding the earth on his tusks and Hiranyaksha was, you know, talking his nonsense. And the earth was very afraid. You know, the earth personified was very afraid. So, what he did? Uh, he rose out of the water just as an elephant emerges with its female companion when assailed by an alligator. And there's a crocodile, an alligator, and the Lord, I mean, the elephant comes out of the water, you know, with a force like this. The demon who had golden hair on his head and fearful tusks gave chase to the Lord while he was rising from the water. You know, as the Lord was rising from the water with his, the earth on his tusks, this, this Hiranyaksha, he was chasing the Lord. Even as an alligator would chase an elephant. Like thunder, he said, are you not ashamed of running away before a challenging adversary? There is nothing reproachable for shameless creatures. You are so shameless, you are running away from me. Huh? Have any shame? The Lord placed the earth within his sight on the surface of the water and transferred to, her, to her his own energy in the form of the ability to float on the water. While the enemy stood looking on, Brahma, the creator of the universe, extolled the Lord and, and the other demigods rained flowers on him. Now, here is an important, important point that the earth, you know, because it was on his tusks, he had to keep the earth aside to fight with Hiranyaksham. So, he placed, where did he place the earth? He placed it on the surface of the ocean. Now, the earth will again sink, right? But he transferred his own energy in the form of the ability to float on the water. Hmm. So, in other words, the gravity that the scientists know is not exactly the way gravity works. Um, so, in fact, in the 15th chapter, uh, 13th verse of Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says, Gamavishya chabhutani dharayam ahamojasa. So, he said in the Bhagavad Gita that I enter into each planet and because of my energy, the planets float. Actually, you see the planets they are round and this is so heavy. I mean, how heavy is the earth? But the earth is floating in the air as if it was a cotton swab, you know, in the, in the space. How is it? Of course, the scientists say that, oh, it is because of the gravitational pull of the sun and all that. But the Lord says, no, that is, that is not exactly the way how it works. There is a different concept altogether. Uh, so, he actually, by his own energy, he enters into each planet and makes the planet float. And the same thing he did with this earth here, that he 
transfer to the earth his own energy in the form of the ability to float on the water. So like that, the earth was just like a, like a, you know, inflatable globe like that, as if it was inflatable globe, it was floating on the water. Um, while the enemy stood looking on, this Hiranyaksha was lo- looking on as the Varaha did this. And Brahma, they were all glorifying the Lord and other demigods rained flowers on him. The demon who had a wealth of ornaments, bangles and beautiful golden armor on his body, chased the Lord from behind with a great mace. You know, that great gada he was holding. He was chasing the Lord. The Lord tolerated his piercing ill words, but in order to reply to him, he expressed his terrible anger. The personality of God had said, Indeed, we are creatures of the jungle and we are searching after hunting dogs like you. One who is freed from the entanglement of death has no fear from the loose talk in which you are indulging, for you are bound up by the laws of death. Certainly, we have stolen the charge of the inhabitants of Rasatal and have lost all shame. Although bitten by a powerful mace, I shall stay here in the water for some time because, having created enmity with a powerful enemy, I now have no place to go. He was. He was accepting the challenge of this nisha. You are supposed to be the commander of many foot soldiers, and now you may take prompt steps to overthrow us. Give up all your foolish talk and wipe out the cares of your kith and kin by slaying us. One may be proud, yet he does not deserve a seat in an assembly if, his fa- if he fails to fulfill his promised word. In other words, he's saying, you're talking like, you know, you're very big, that you can, you know, kill me and all this. Don't talk too much because you have to prove your words. Because all this empty talk is not respectable in an assembly, uh, in, a, in a high class assembly. Until you prove your words, uh, nobody will respect you. Then he said, Sri Maitreya said, the demon being thus challenged by the personality of Godhead became angry and agitated and he trembled in anger like a challenged cobra. Hissing indignantly, all his senses shaken by wrath, you know, by anger, the demon quickly sprang upon the Lord and dealt him a blow with his powerful mace. The Lord, however, by moving slightly aside, dodged the violent mace blow aimed at his breast by the enemy just as an accomplished yogi would elude death. So, an accomplished yogi, he, he can escape death. You know, they can, they can go whenever they want and they can go wherever they want. Um, and a real yogi, yogi nam api sarvesham madgate nantaratmana shraddhavan bhajate yomam same yukta tamomataha. Chapter 6, text 47 of Bhagavad Gita. Krishna is saying, the greatest of all yogis is the devotee. And he he eludes death. Death cannot capture the devotee because he is activated. Death means what? End of your activities. A full stop to your activities. So, that is death. So, materially our activities can be put to a full stop. But our spiritual activities will continue after death. Just in the same way. And in fact, the, the devotee will get eternal life in Vaikuntha. And therefore, he completely eludes death. The personality of God now exhibited his anger and rushed to meet the demon who bit his lip in rage, took up his mace again and began to repeatedly brandish it about. You know, he was, he was whirling his mace, he was brandishing about, you know, in anger. Then when with his mace, the Lord struck the enemy on the right of his bro, eyebrow, right eyebrow. But since the demon was expert in, uh, sorry, the Lord hit the, the demon on the right of his eyebrow. 
But Sun was perting little wizard. He protected himself by a maneuver of his own mace. He blocked with his own mace. In this way, the demon Haryaksha and the Lord, the personality of God, had struck each other with their huge maces, which enraged, uh, each enraged and seeking his own victory. Just a second. Mm, okay. There was keen rivalry between the two combatants. Both had sustained injuries on their bodies from the blows of each other's pointed maces. And each grew more and more enraged at the smell of blood on his person. In their eagerness to win, they performed maneuvers of various kinds and their contest looked like an encounter between two forceful bulls for the sake of a cow. So this is the Kshatriya spirit. Kshatriya, when, he's, when he smells blood on him, his person, when he's hit and he, his blood comes out, oh, that will be, give him so much more fire. Other people will be, oh, oh, what happened, what happened? But <laughs> Kshatriya is not like that. The more he sees blood, the more he's, you know, he gets energy. So, this was happening and both were getting blood. You may say, how, you know, Hiranyaksha, how can he hit the Lord and blood come out? This is how the Lord wants to enjoy, you know. And also, by receiving blows from Hiranyaksha, when the Lord is hit, all the demigods, the sages, the devotees, everybody who is looking on, who is watching the war, you know, will be praying for the Lord even more intensely. So, he wants to create that intensity of prayer for the devotees. So, sometimes he, he makes these kinds of, um, you know, movements. Even when he was uh, fighting with Kaliya snake, Krishna. So, for four hours, he was just in the water. The snake was just, you know, playing with him and, you know, he was completely... He did not fight for four hours and all the inhabitants of Vrindavan were like almost going to die. When they were almost going to die in that intense grief for the Lord, that's when he started his dance. He just knows how to keep our attention and attract our attention and be devotedly thinking about him. Uh, so, to increase the love of his devotees, he sometimes you know, shows himself as if he is inferior or as if he is like hurt. You know, so that the devotees will, you know, in that eagerness. They, so, basically, he wants um, all of us to concentrate on him, you know, focus on him, think of him. Man mana bhavamad bhakto, Krishna said in the Bhagavad Gita, always think of me. So, when he does this kind of thing, then they will think even more deeply, you know. So, he wanted to bring those feelings out from his devotees. So, he is also getting hit, you know, and then it will make him even more angry because you remember, he made this pastime happen because he wanted to exhibit his own uh, leela of exhibiting anger. Of course, in the same time teaching us like, you know, what is the, um, you know, how we should not become demons and, you know, how we should not offend the devotees like the Jaya and Vijaya did, you know, how one should not have sex in the wrong time, all these things he is teaching. But while teaching all these things, he is having his own play, own drama. He wants to... Uh, have his uh, uh, leela of showing anger. So, and Hiranyaksha is also cooperating with him very nicely, you know. So, to make him even more angry, he's hitting him and he's getting bad and he becomes more angry. And in the, at the same time, the demigods are also thinking of him even more intensely, intensely. So, in this way, he's creating that love of the devotees, you know, and showing him his pastimes. So, in their eagerness to win, they perform maneuvers of various kinds. 
So, O descendant of Kuru, Brahma, the most independent demigod of the universe, accompanied by his followers, came to see the terrible fight for the sake of the world between the demon and the personality of Godhead who appear in, appeared in the form of a boar. After arriving at the place of combat, Brahma, the leader of thousands of sages and transcendentalists, saw the demon who had attained such unprecedented power that no one could fight with him. You see? Brahma came down to see this demon who had such unprecedented power that no one could fight with him. All the demigods were useless. They were hiding away only, like cowards. Brahma then addressed Narayana, who was assuming the form of a boar for the first time. Lord Brahma said, My dear Lord, this demon has proved to be a constant pinprick to the demigods, the brahmanas, the cows and innocent persons who are spotless and always dependent upon worshipping your lotus feet. He has become a source of fear by unnecessarily harassing them. Since he has attained a boon from me, he has become a demon. After searching for a proper combatant, I mean fighter, wandering all over the universe for this infamous purpose. Lorma continued, My dear Lord, there is no need to play with this serpentine demon who is always very skilled in conjuring tricks and is arrogant, self-sufficient and most wicked. Brahma continued, Brahma continued, My dear Lord, you are infallible. Please kill this sinful demon before the demoniac hour arrives. And he presents another formidable approach favorable to him. You can kill him by your internal potency without doubt. So he is saying, according to astrology, some bad time is coming very soon, in a few minutes. So at that time he will show his, you know, he will, he will become even more powerful. Because demons, ghosts, they become more powerful during night, during inauspicious times, they, they become more powerful. So he is saying, please kill this sinful demon because before the demoniac hour arrives. And he presents another formidable approach favorable to him. You can kill him with eternal potency without doubt. My Lord, the darkest evening which covers the world is fast approaching. Uh, the most inauspicious time is approaching. Um, so please kill him before that. Since you are the soul of all souls, kill him and win and win victory for the gods. The auspicious known, the auspicious period known as Abhijit, which is most opportune for victory, commenced at midday and has all but passed. Therefore, in the interest of your friends, friends means the demigods, please dispose of this formidable foe quickly. So, the, at midday, the Abhijit time has started. It's very auspicious for victory. And now the time is almost finished. That, that auspicious time is finishing and the darkest evening is going to start. So, before that happens, please. This demon, luckily for us, he said, this demon, luckily for us, has come of his own accord to you, his death ordained by you. Therefore, exhibit your ways, kill him in the duel and establish worlds in peace. So, this was how this chapter concluded. And we go to this chapter. The king of the demon Hiranyaksha. Sri Maitreya said, after hearing the words of Brahma, the creator, the creator, which were free from all sinful purposes and as sweet as nectar, the Lord heartily laughed. You know, the Lord laughed because he doesn't need all these things. He knows what is the time, what is the darkest evening, what is the, you know, the, the time of victory, everything he already knows. But he was laughing at the concern that Brahma had and, um, you know, that, that anxiety of the demigods. For him, it's just a play, child's play. For the demigods, it's a huge thing, you see. The Lord heartily laughed and accepted his prayer with a glance laden with love.
So just before going on, I just want to check if the audio and uh, video is alright. It looks alright, right? Yeah, I think it looks right. Okay. The Lord who had appeared from the nostril of Brahma sprang and aimed it mace, aimed his mace at the chin of his enemy, the Hiranyaksha demon, who was talking fearlessly before him. No, he aimed, the Lord aimed his mace at the chin of Hiranyaksha. I don't know if you know, uh, if you know any martial arts, boxing or anything like that. Usually the boxer, they want to, however big the other person is, if he can somehow get on his chin, you know, that, that kind of blow, he'll be knocked out. Because it'll, it will um, jerk the spinal and the brain connection and then he'll lose balance, he will lose his consciousness also for some time. So that is called the knockout. Knockout is not just because he's tired and you know, he just falls, no, it's not about tired. He hits him on the chin in a way which is like and then he completely goes off, light switched off. So that is a punch. So Lord, of course, he knew all these signs. So he was he, he was going to hit the Hiranyaksha on his chin. Struck by the demon's mace. The Lord's mace slipped from his hand. Uh, slipped from his hand and looked splendid as if as it fell down whirling. You see now? So he aimed the mace at his chin, but his Hiranyaksha was also very skillful. Before it even came, he already hit the mace. And the mace, you know, they were, you know how huge they were, these two, Varaha and Hiranyaksha. The earth was just on his tusks and he just put the earth there. You know, this earth that we are on, he was just like this. And these two big demons, I mean, the, the Hiranyaksha demon and the Varaha were, these two big personalities were so towering, you know, so huge. Just imagine the size of their mace. It is bigger than the earth. You know, that big. So, so when the Hiranyaksha um, demon, so Lord was hitting him, then the, the Hiranyaksha already hit before the Lord. And struck by the demon's mace, however, the Lord's mace slipped from his hand and looked splendid as it fell down whirling. It's whirled and it fell into the water. You know, this was miraculous for the mace was blazing wonderfully. So again, looks like Hiranyaksha is more stronger than the Lord. So this is how he wants to. And Hiranyaksha also, you see now how he responds. Even though the demon had an excellent opportunity to strike his unarmed foe without obstruction, he respected the law of single combat, thereby kindling the fury of the Supreme Lord. You see this? <laughs> so, he hit the mace and the mace fell. Now the Lord was unarmed. He did not have a weapon in his hand. And Hiranyaksha had a mace in his hand. He could easily have hit the Lord. Easily. But he respected. You see, he respected the law of single combat. So the law of Kshatriya combat is that when the other person is unarmed, this person also must give up the arms and fight him unarmed. Not that, oh, he doesn't have arms, he doesn't have weapons, so I'll just beat him to death. No, that's not that's not a very honorable fighting. In fact, that is against the rules of Kshatriya warfare. And the demon, he respected that rule. 
and by de- by doing so he enraged the lord thereby kindling the fury of the supreme lord so you see the the hiranyaksha because this is the secret of course that he is a great devotee so out of curse he came in like this so he also knew how to because the lord wanted to exhibit his you know pastime of anger and he also knew how to make him more angry because that's what the lord wants to do anyway so he also respected the you know thereby is like humiliation to the lord right so that will make the lord even more angry so the hiranyaksha was serving the lord in this way in an indirect way uh, but of course his 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 um, physical appearance and his physical dealings with the lord are all like a demon even though the demon had an excellent opportunity to strike his unarmed foe without obstruction he respected the law of single combat thereby kindling the fury of the supreme lord as the lord's mace fell to the ground and the cry of alarm arose from the witnessing crowd of gods and rishis rishis means all the sages and the demigods there was a cry of alarm the personality of god had acknowledged the demon's love of righteousness and therefore invoked his sudarshan discourse you see <laughs> again the lord by letting his mace slipping slip from his hand how can something slip from the hand of the lord everything is within his control even hiranyaksha is within the control of the lord why hiranyaksha is so strong when the lord is hitting him he could hit faster than him that ability in hiranyaksha is also given by the lord only how can something slip from the hand of the lord no it is again past time so in one way he is allowing hiranyaksha to serve him to increase his anger and on the other side the the rishis the devatas the devotees they are all oh the lord is in danger you know that kind of feeling he is he is uh, bringing in them you see all these things he is doing you know which we won't even notice we just oh it's like a fight but you know he is doing all these things wonderfully at the same time so the the personality of god had acknowledged the demon's love of righteousness he acknowledged hmm you know good job you have some at least some respect of at least some rules you follow <laughs> so then he invoked his sudarshan chakra <clears throat> as the discourse began to revolve in the lord's hands and the lord contended at close quarters with the chief of his vaikuntha attendants who had been born as hiranyaksha a vile son of diti there assured from every direction strange expressions uttered by those who were witnessing from airplanes they had no knowledge of the lord's reality and they cried may victory attend you pray dispatch him play no more with him you know they were crying out they were not like ah, anyway the lord will kill him this watch the fun they were you know very you know so because some of them did not know whether it was a lord or some demigod or who they did not know and some even though they knew they saw that the mace all was slipping so it looked like oh this is a really you know a close close fight you know it's not like a you know what is that called Uh, cake walk you know and it was not a walk over you know it was a you know serious fight you know no joke so they were having this kind of um, feeling for the lord when the demon saw the personal godhead who had eyes just like lotus petals standing in position before him armed with his sudarshan chak discus his senses were overpowered with by indignation by that means anger he began to hiss like a serpent and he bit his lip in great resentment the demon who had fearful tusks the demon also had fearful tusks stared at the supreme personality of godhead as though to burn him springing into the air 
he aimed his mace at the Lord, exclaiming at the same time, You are slain, O saintly Vidura. While his enemy looked on, the Lord in his boar form, the enjoyer of all sacrificial offerings, playfully knocked down the mace with his left foot, even as it came upon him with the force of a tempest. You know what's a tempest? It's not just a storm. It's not just a storm. It's a super storm. You know, it's the it's the worst of storms. And the maze was coming at him at the at the speed of a tempest, at the force of a tempest. And he just playfully just kicked with his with his leg, knocked down the maze. The Lord then said, "Take up your weapon and try again, eager as you are to conquer me." Challenged in these words, the demon aimed his mace at the Lord and once more roared loudly. Again, he took up the mace. When the, law saw the, when the Lord saw the mace flying toward him, he stood firmly where he was and caught it with the same ease as Garuda, the king of birds, was, would seize a serpent. And it was very, very nice to watch. The whole fight was so nice to watch. You know, we only watched like very choreographed fights between, you know, in the movies where, you know, some... some like Jackie Chan or Bruce Lee or all this, you know, and we may like, you know, all the moves and everything, everything so like a dance, you know. <clears throat> but this was even far at a totally different level, you know, at the topmost level. And it was like a, you know, perfect, you know, it was like moves are all, were all so nice. <clears throat> Any fighter would uh, enjoy watching this. When Lord saw the mace, so he caught it. With the same ease as Garuda, the king of birds, was, would seize a serpent. Just as an eagle, you know, he's a king of eagles, Garuda. You know, he would hold a serpent and then catch. Like that, he just caught the mace, you know, with his hands. Of course, you may say, where is the hands for the pig? You know, boar. The Lord's foot can act as a hand. I mean, everything is possible, sir. Angani yasya sakalendri pashyanti panti kalayanti chiram jaganti. So, everything is possible for them. His valor thus frustrated, the great demon felt humiliated and was put out of continence. He was reluctant to take back the mace when it was offered by the personality of Godhead. <laughs> See how much pride they have, these warriors, especially Hiranyaksha. You know, second time, first time already the mace, you know, missed him. So, then he said, try again. You know, then he again tried. And this time he just caught it. And the Lord giving him, take, try again. He refused to take. You know, no, I don't want you know, so pride, because it was humiliation for him, you know, the Lord is giving back, giving him his, you know, his thing, weapon back. He now took the tri- took a trident, you know, Trishul, with the three pointed uh, this thing. So, <clears throat> he now took a trident, which was as rapacious as a fame, flaming fire, I mean, as dangerous as a flaming fire, and hurled it against the Lord, the enjoyer of all sacrifices, even as one would use penance, for a malevolent purpose against a holy brahmana. Hurled by the mighty demon with all its strength, the flying trident shone brightly in the sky. The personality of Godhead, however, tore it to pieces with his discus Sudarshana, Sudarshan Chakra, which had a sharp-edged rim, even as Indra cut off a wing of Garuda. That means just like Indra cut off the wing of Garuda, so this, this uh, Sudarshan Chakra cut the trident. Now, one may say, when did Indra cut the wing of a girl? So, I was also thinking the same thing. So, actually, Prabhupada explains in the purport, a history of what exactly happened between Indra and Garuda. So, in the purport, you will see. 
the context of the reference given herein regarding Garuda and Indra is this. Once upon a time, Garuda, the carrier of the Lord, snatched away a nectar pot from the hands of the demigods in heaven in order to liberate his mother Vinata from the clutches of his stepmother Kadru, the mother of the serpents. So, Kadru was a snake, serpent. And that was his stepmother. I do not know exactly what is the family lineage of Garuda. So, his mother was a bird, eagle, Vinata. And from the clutches of his stepmother, Kadru, the mother of the serpents. On learning of this, so, so the nectar pot was in the demigod's hands. So, he snatched away from them the pot to give to his mother. So, on learning of this, Indra, the king of heaven, hurled his thunderbolt against Garuda. With a view to respect the infallibility of Indra's weapon, Garuda, though otherwise invincible, being the Lord's own mount, dropped one of his wings, which was shattered to pieces by the thunderbolt. The inhabitants of higher planets so sensible that even in the process of fighting, they observe the preliminary rules and regulations of gentleness. In this case, Garuda wanted to show respect for Indra, since he knew that Indra's weapon must destroy something he offered his wing. So, when the demigods do something, it must have a result. So, this is the way that the Lord created. So, when, suppose when we want to do something, sometimes we may not achieve it. Okay? We may fail at achieving it. But the demigods, when they think of something, they will never fail. That's one of their... So, that was one of their, uh, you know, characteristics. Actually, there is a similar incident in the case of Kunti, Kunti Devi, the mother of the Pandavas. She served Durvasamani very nicely when she was a young girl, virgin girl. And Durvasamani was very satisfied with her service. And um, she you know, cooked for him, everything, everything. She took care of him very nicely. So, he was very satisfied and he gave her the boon, you know, that whomever you, whichever demigod you want, you chant this mantra, I will give you this mantra, you chant this mantra, and you can have child with the demigod, whenever you want, whichever demigod you want. So, she was not married at the time, but she wanted to test it. She was too eager. Being a young girl, she was too excited. Huh? Wow! And she did not think about, you know, marriage and all these things. She just chanted for, you know, just... Uh, and then she thought of the sun god. And the sun god came, the Surya came. And she was horrified, because she was not married. And if, you know, if she has uh, sex with him, then she will no more be a virgin and nobody would marry her. That is the Vedic culture. Nobody would marry a girl who is not a virgin. So, um, so she was horrified that this happened. And she, she pleaded with the sun god that, please, please, I just uh, tested his mantra only uh, out, out of curiosity. But uh, please, you go away, go back uh, to the sun planet. I, I don't want to have now because I'm not married. So, then he said, no, we, you don't understand the ways we demigods work. When we come for some purpose, it has to be fulfilled. And I can't go back uh, without fulfilling my purpose. They will laugh at me at the, in the heaven. Uh, now that I have been called by you, it must happen. So, you must have a child with me. And, but... I will, I will bless you in such a way that your virginity will be will not be lost. So, uh, he impregnated uh, Kunti, 
and she brought forth karna from the ear not from her usual path from not from her genitals but from her ear that's why his name is karna karna means ear so that's how her virginity was kept intact so um so that is the ways of the demigods they will never fail so when indra used the thunderbolt against garuda so out of respect actually garuda does not have to answer to that he he can garuda can easily combat indra he is personal carrier of the lord you know but to respect that indra has released his weapon so it must destroy something so he offered his own wing and it was destroyed by the thunderbolt and um, so this is the way this is the respect they used to have the mutual respect so that was the example given so the hurled by the mighty demon those when the trident came the lord sudarshan chakra also cut the trident just as indra cut the wing of garuda the demon was enraged when his trident was cut to pieces by the discus of the personality of godhead he therefore advanced toward the lord and roaring aloud struck his hard fist against the lord's broad chest which bore the mark of shrivatsa then he went out of sight he disappeared he hit the lord on his chest and he disappeared from there hit in this manner by the demon of vidura the lord who had appeared as the first boar did not feel the least quaking in any part of his body he did not feel anything as any more than an elephant would any any more than an elephant would when struck with a wreath of flowers you you hit the an elephant with a garland of flowers how much will it hurt the elephant nothing so hiranyaksha although he you know you know punched him so hard it was nothing for the lord the demon however employed many conjuring tricks against the personality of godhead who is the lord of yogamaya at the sight of this the people were filled with alarm and thought that the dissolution of the universe was near they were thinking that the universe is going to be destroyed now fierce winds began to blow from all directions spreading darkness occasioned by dust and hailstorms stones came in volleys from every corner as if thrown by machine guns stones were you know like a machine gun the luminaries in outer space disappeared due to the skies being overcast with masses of clouds which were accompanied by lightning and thunder the sky rained pus hair blood stool urine and bones it was not raining water it was raining all this pus hair blood stool urine and bones o sinless vidura mountains discharged weapons of various kinds and naked demonesses armed with tridents appeared with their hair hanging loose in other words you know nowadays you know people want to do this the women especially they want to be naked they want to be all the hair hanging loose actually it is said that a chaste woman will always have her hair tied in a like in a braid always the hair is braided hair hanging loose is a sign of a demoness so um, this loose hair this is all not where uh, the culture actually this is all and they want to be naked you see all this naked demonesses armed with tridents appeared with their hair hanging loose this is how demonesses so the nowadays girls want to do like this oh, go naked and you know yeah hair hanging loose and so these all these you know these these all these evil things were happening so cruel and savage slogans were uttered by hosts of ruffian yakshas and rakshasas who all either marched on foot or rode on horses elephants or chariots 
you know, all kinds of rakshasas, yakshas, ghosts, goblins are all over there. The Lord and the Lord, the personal enjoyer of all sacrifices, now discharged his beloved Sudarshan, the chakra, which was capable of dispersing the magical forces displayed by the demon. At that very moment, a shudder suddenly ran through the heart of Diti, the mother of Hiranyaksha. She recalled the words of her husband Kashyapa and blood flowed from her breasts. This was an evil, I mean a bad omen for her. Some shudder suddenly ran through the heart of Diti. Her heart suddenly felt a palpitation, something she understood. Then she remembered the husband's words that her sons will be killed by the Lord. So she knew something, her son is going to die now. Although she was not there witnessing the whole thing, but, you know. When the demon saw his magic forces dispelled, he at once, he once again came into the presence of the personality of Godhead Keshava and with full of rage tried to embrace him within, within his arms to crush him. But to his great amazement, he found the Lord standing outside the circle of his arms. So he wanted to do this, but the Lord slipped and, you know, before he could even do, then he, the Lord was outside the circle of his arms. The demon now began to strike the Lord with his hard fists. But Lord Adhokshaja slapped him in the root of the ear. Slapped him. You know. You know, as they say in, you know, in India, they say, Khan kaniche ek de tu. You know, in, in Hyderabad, they say like this. That means, you know, under the ear, I will give you one slap, you know. That means, <laughs> that means so the same way the Lord actually gave one, you know, one tight slap, you know, uh, under the ear, at the root of the ear. Even as Indra, the lord of the Maruts, hit the demon Vritta, Vetsura. So, though struck indifferently by the lord. So, the lord did not strike it like as if he aimed it, you know, like, like a, the, the choice of his best choice of shots. No, he just struck him indifferently as if just like one of his many, many shots. He just one, one slap, you know, not like with full force, you know, with, you know, complete force. No, he just strike him, struck him just like that. Though struck indifferently by the Lord, the conqueror of all, the demon's body began to wheel. His eyeballs bulged out of their sockets. You know, eyes poof, just came out of the sockets. His arms and legs broken and the hair on his head scattered. He fell down dead like a gigantic tree uprooted by the wind. Aja, Brahma and others arrived on the spot to see the fearfully tusked demon lying on the ground, biting his lip. The glow of his face was yet unfaded and Brahma admiringly said, Oh, who could meet such blessed death? Brahma continued, He was struck by a forefoot of the Lord. The foot, you know, the, the feet of the Lord, the lotus feet. Great yogis, they are meditating on the feet just to get shelter of his lotus feet. And thou, those very feet have hit the demon Hiranyaksha have personally touched the body of Hiranyaksha. So he is saying, who could meet such blessed death? He was struck by a forefoot of the Lord, whom yogis, seeking freedom from their unreal material bodies, meditate upon in seclusion and mystic trance. So those yogis, they, they, they meditate on the Lord in mystic trance. And that fruit of that meditation, this Hiranyaksha achieved just by being an enemy of the Lord. While gazing on his countenance, the, this crest jewel of Diti's sons has cast off his mortal coil. He was looking at the face of the beautiful face of the Lord. And usually, you know, 
This is what actually the yogis look for, the devotees. If they can, just like Bhishma Dev, he was dying and he, he requested the Lord to be standing before him. And you know, he looked upon the, in the beautiful face of the Lord and he, he passed away. And same way Haridas Thakur also passed away. He asked Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to stand before him. And in, while looking, gazing at the feet of, I mean, uh, the face of the Lord and holding the feet on his chest, the Lord's feet, you know, he asked the Lord to sit down and then, you know, his feet he took and put it on his chest and he gazed at the face of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and passed away in that glorious manner by chanting Krishna, Krishna like that. Similar way, Brahma is saying Hiranyaksha also died the same way. The feet of the Lord touched his body and that caused his death. You know, at the very feet of the Lord he died. And he's, he was looking at the face of the Lord. Who could miss, meet such a blessed death? So that's why while gazing on his countenance, countenance means face, this crest jewel, that means the best of Diti's sons, has cast off his mortal coil. These two personal assistants of the Supreme Lord, having been cursed, have been destined to take birth in demoniac families. After a few such births, they will return to their own positions. They, then the demigods, of course, started their prayers. So this, you know, the demigods, the rishis, all were you know, praising the Lord like anything after this. So that is the death of Hiranyaksha. Now... We will go to 7th Kanto. This was 3rd Kanto, 19th chapter. And what happened next after the death with his brother Hiranyakashipu started only in the 7th Kanto. That means the 3rd Kanto, the 4th Kanto, 5th Kanto, 6th Kanto. So many other topics. The, the topic, you know, sidetracked to so many other topics and then finally came back again to the brother of Hiranyaksha. And now is Hiranyakashipu, the king of the demons. So... This is actually very, very interesting. Actually, here is where we start to read the Narsimha Leela. Uh, but it's already 9.20. So, do we want to proceed further? Or do we end here for today and take questions and um, stop the session? Or shall we start reading about this? You let me know in the comments. Sorry, we will do. So, what is your opinion? Kindly let me know. Do we proceed? Somebody says, proceed, read more. Okay. We will start with uh, Hiranyakashipu's <laughs> reaction to his brother's death. Alright. Okay, we will read a little more. Huh? As described in this chapter, after the annihilation of Hiranyaksha, Hiranyakashipu, Hiranyaksha's sons and his brother Hiranyakashipu were very much aggrieved. You see? See, okay, we will actually read the actual texts. Because this is a summary. The actual thing will start here. So, Narad Muni said, My dear King Yudhishthira, when Lord Vishnu, in the form of Varaha, the boar, killed Hiranyaksha, Hiranyaksha's brother Hiranyakashipu was extremely angry and began to lament. Filled with rage and biting his lips, Hiranyakashipu gazed at the sky with eyes that blazed in anger, making the whole sky smoky. Thus he began to speak. Exhibiting his terrible teeth, fierce glance and frowning eyebrows, terrible to see, he took up his weapon, a trident, 
and thus began speaking to his associates, the assembled demons. O Dhanavas and Daityas, O Dvimurdha, Triaksha, Shambara and Shatabahu, O Hayagriva, Namuchi, Paka and Ilvala, O Viprachiti, Puloman, Shakuna and other demons, all of you, kindly hear me attentively and then act according to my words without delay. And he said, My insignificant enemies, the demigods, have combined to kill my very dear and obedient well-wisher, my brother Hiranyaksha. Although the Supreme Lord Vishnu is always equal to both of us, namely the demigods and demons, this time, being devoutly worshipped by the demigods, he has taken their side and helped them kill Hiranyaksha. The Supreme Personality of Godhead has given up his natural tendency of equality toward the demons and demigods. Although he is the Supreme Person, now influenced by Maya, he has assumed the form of a boar to please his devotees, the demigods, just as a restless child leans towards someone. Usually a child, you know, he will try because he will try with his father and mother. Whichever is easier to, you know, um, uh, convince, he will go there. Suppose he wants something, he will not go to, go to the difficult parent. He will go to the easier one. If it is the father, he will go to the father. If it is the mother, he will go to the mother. So he knows. So he, he will be partial towards that, the mother or the father, whoever is, will satisfy him. So he is saying that like a child, this Vishnu is also supposed to be impartial and supposed to be very equal to everybody. Now you see what he has done. Because they did some puja and he just became favorable to them like a child. So I shall try, I shall therefore sever Lord Vishnu's head from his trunk by my trident and with the profuse blood from his body I shall please my brother Hiranyaksha who was so fond of sucking blood. Thus shall I too be peaceful. When the root of a tree is cut and the tree falls down, its branches and twigs automatically dry up. Similarly, when I have killed this diplomatic Vishnu, the demigods for whom Lord Vishnu is the life and soul will lose the source of their life and wither away. This is their plan. So, you always want to do away with God. Demons are always like this. Hmm. Atheism. While I am engaged in the busy business of killing Lord Vishnu, he is ordering now. All the different demons that he has called, he is ordering them. While I am engaged in the business of killing Lord Vishnu, go down to the planet Earth, which is flourishing due to Brahmanical culture and a Kshatriya government. These people engage in austerity, sacrifices, Vedic study, regulative vows and charity. Destroy all the people thus engaged. You know, he gave the order. The basic principle of Brahmanical culture is to satisfy Lord Vishnu, the personification of sacrificial and ritualistic ceremonies. He say, you see, his reasoning, his reasoning is like this. Destroy the Brahmanical culture. He said, the basic principle of Brahmanical culture is to satisfy Lord Vishnu. Lord Vishnu is the personified reservoir of all religious principle and he is the shelter of all the demigods, the great Pitas and all the people in general. When the Brahmanas are killed, no one will exist to encourage the Kshatriyas to perform yajnas. And thus the demigods not being appeased by yajna will automatically die. Immediately go wherever there is good protection for the cows and brahmanas and wherever the Vedas are studied in terms of the Varnashram principles. Set fire to those places and cut from the roots of the trees there which are the source of life. You see this is how they will particularly go to the religion, uh, the religious people and then uh, destroy. This is the way of the demons. 
See these terrorist activities are going on since then, not only now. There also the terrorist terrorism was going on. Hiranyakashipu, Hiranyakashipu was the biggest terrorist. Thus, the demons being fond of disastrous activities took Hiranyakashipu's instructions on their heads with great respect and offered him obeisances. According to his directions, they engaged in envious activities directed against all living beings. The demons set fire to the cities, villages, pasturing grounds, cow pens, gardens, agricultural fields and natural forests. They burned the hermitages of the saintly persons, the important mines that produced valuable metals, the residential quarters of the agriculturists, the mountain villages, and the villages of the cow protectors, the cowherd men, they also burn the government capitals. This is exactly what terrorists are doing now. You see, they are mini Hiranyakashipus and Hiranyakshas only. These nonsense terrorists. This is exactly what they do. You know, Some of the demons took digging instruments and broke down the bridges and protective walls and, and the gates or gopuras of the cities. Some took axes and began cutting the important trees that produced mango, jackfruit and other sources of food. Some of the demons took firebrands and set fire to the residential quarters of the citizens. Thus disturbed again and again by the unnatural occurrences <coughs> caused by the followers of Hiranyakashipu, <coughs> all the people had to seize the activities of Vedic culture. All, seize, all, stop all Vedic culture, activities of Vedic culture. Not receiving the results of Yajna, the demigods also became disturbed. They left their residential quarters in the heavenly planets and unobserved by the demons began wandering on the planet earth to see the disasters. All the earthly inhabitants they offered their you know, yajna to demigods. Nobody was performing anymore yajna anymore. Finish. And the, the demigods were also distressed because they were not getting their share of the yajna. And they came down in the guise of ordinary humans and they, wanted to, they, they, they were witnessing all the disaster, disasters that were happening on earth. After performing ritualistic observances for the death of his brother, Hiranyakashipu, being extremely unhappy, tried to pacify his nephews. You see, after performing the ritualistic observances for the death of his brother, you see, Hiranyakashipu, being, being extremely unhappy, tried to pacify his nephews. So, they cremated his brother, Hiranyakshipu, and he was very, very unhappy, but he tried to pacify his nephews. O King, Hiranyakashipu was extremely angry. But since he was a great politician, he knew how to act according to the time and situation. With sweet words, he began pacifying his nephews, whose names were Shakuni, Shambara, Drishti, Bhuta Santapana, Vrika, Kalanabha, Mahanabha, Harish Mashru, and Utkacha. He also consoled their mother, his sister-in-law, Rushabhanu. Rushabhanu is the wife of Hiranyaksha. He also consoled his, their, their mother, uh, that means his sister-in-law, Rushabhanu, as well as his own mother, Diti. He spoke to them all as follows. Now you will see Hiranyakashipu speak. He will speak such nice philosophy that you will never think that he was a demon. You will never think he was a demon. He will speak like a self-realized person. Of course, on one hand, he is a devotee, Jaya and Vijay. Uh, but this is also another lesson that he was a great politician. So, politicians when they sometimes speak on, you know, as if they are great religionists, you can't really believe them, especially in Kali Yuga. They are opportunists. If tomorrow they have to support some, uh, you know, 
liquor you know alcoholics they will do you know so sometimes they may speak big big words but you can't take them too seriously so chanakya pandit said don't trust to women and politician don't trust they they will say something and mean another thing for their own ends so here hiranyakashipu said you will be astonished at how he will speak you see now hiranyakashipu said my dear mother sister in law and nephews you should not lament for the death of the great hero for a hero's death in the front of his enemy is glorious and desirable actually that's a true that, that's a fact for a kshatriya to die in battle is very glorious you know very glorious most glorious death a kshatriya can have my dear mother in a restaurant or place for drinking cold water many travelers are brought together and after drinking water they continue to their respective destinations similarly living entities join together in a family and later as a result of their own actions they are led apart to their destinations so this is true because we come together as a family in this life but then after that next life we will go somewhere else just like people come in a restaurant and at one point of time okay there will be all these people eating in the in the but after some time everybody will go to their own places or just like a bus stop everybody will come to the bus stop and each will take his own bus and go to different different places you know the spirit soul the living entity has no death for he is eternal and inexhaustible being free from material contamination he can go anywhere in the material and spiritual worlds he is fully aware and completely different from the material body but because of being misled by misuse of his slight independence he is obliged to accept subtle and gross bodies created by the material energy and thus be subjected to so called material happiness and distress therefore no one should lament for the passing of the spirit soul from the body see he knew all these things he knew he knew everything but still he was forced to act in that way because of the curse <clears throat> because of the movements of the water the trees on the banks of a river when reflected on the water seem to move similarly when the eyes moves because of some mental derangement the land appears to move also so he is giving a analogy now ha huh? you know in the bank of a lake or a river if you see the reflection of the tree in the water and if the water is moving the reflection also is you know is moving like that even if in the in the night if you see the reflection of the moon in on the water on the water it, the moon is like that you know but actually the moon is not moving but in the water it appears like that because of the waves of the water the movement of the water and similarly when the eyes move because of some mental derangement when one loses when one becomes dizzy you know and the eyes move then he he feels like the whole world everything is just like you know moving here and a drunken man also feel, feels like that and then they cannot stand properly they know they don't know which is actually straight what is straight they don't know so he is giving these two examples why in the same way oh my gentle mother when the mind is agitated by the movements of the modes of material nature the living entity although freed from all different phases of the subtle and gross bodies thinks that he has changed from one condition to another this is actually all good philosophy this is all straight philosophy so because of the moving of the three modes of material nature we think oh i was a young boy now i am a man i will grow old these movements that we see of our life actually it's not true the soul doesn't grow at all the soul is always the same but 
because the body moves we identify with the body and you know we think we are also moving we are also growing but no the soul doesn't change at all that's what he's saying in his bewildered state the living entity accepting the body and mind to be the self considers some people to be his kinsmen and others to be his outsiders because of this misconception he suffers he's talking all this right but he's doing the same thing he's thinking that his brother is his own kinsman and vishnu is his outsiders the demigods outsider and he said go and you know kill all those brahmanas set fire to their houses he did all that and then now talking big philosophy so his words and actions are not matching up so this is when we can understand he is a duplicitous person and chaitanya mahaprabhu taught in chaitanya charitamrita that we duplicity is kutinati we must come out of this this is one of the biggest weeds a, a devotee cannot be duplicitous that means he cannot say one thing here and do another thing there and do one thing and say another thing no he cannot he must walk his talk so hiranyakashipu is talking all these things but his walking is not the same you see he is saying that oh you know because of in the bewildered state you know because of the misconception or oh, we consider somebody as enemy somebody as friends actually everybody is a children of the lord we should be equal to everyone he is staying on saying all these things but he is not doing the same thing you see so this is the sign of a politician a demon or an opportunist and diplomat he knows how to speak where what to speak he is not a self you know self realized soul he is you know just opportunist but of course the the secret again is he is a pure devotee jay and vijay these both so he knows all these things but by the force of the the uh, curse of the kumaras he had to act like a demon and cooperate with the lord in his pastimes of anger so because of his misconception he suffers indeed the accumulation of such concocted material ideas is the cause of suffering and so called happiness in the material world the conditioned soul thus situated must take birth in different species and work in various types of consciousness thus creating new bodies this continued material life is called samsara birth death lamentation foolishness and anxiety are due to such material considerations thus we sometimes come to a proper understanding and sometimes fall again to a wrong conception of life in this regard actually this is a point we sometimes come to a proper understanding sometimes fall again to a wrong conception of life this exactly happens when one is uh, one dear relative they die exactly now hiranyaksha died so he is talking all this philosophy when when somebody dies you know people go to their you know cremation and they talk among themselves such a great man you know he passed away after all you know this is the end of everything you know this is life you know everything is temporary in this world nothing is permanent and they will talk all these things after coming out one week later are what is that next movie here? you know we have, we must go first day first show we must go what happened to all the realization happened so this is called prabhupada said crematorium realization this realization comes at a crematorium after the coming out again they will be put back into maya and the wrong conception of life they carry forward with the wrong conception of life they don't take it seriously sometimes they cry for others oh, so why did you die you know why did you leave us this are you are also in the same queue only you are also going to go away they don't think so that's why this hiranyakashipu is actually uh, telling a very good story actually he will narrate a story now you see so crematorium realization oh again interruption do you feel interruption or not let me know in the comments
because I do. Mm. Okay, we are fine. Okay, in this regard, an example is given from an old history. So, he actually is narrating a story now. This involves a discourse between Yamaraj and the friends of a dead person. Please hear it attentively. So, he is uh, describing a story between Yamaraj and the friends of a dead person. In the state known as Ushinara, there was a celebrated king named Suyagnya. When the king was killed in battle by his enemies, his kinsmen sat down around the dead body and began to lament the death of their friend. Just a second. Okay, they're all fine. <clears throat> so that this king died, Suyagnya. His name was Suyagnya. He died in a battle. And his kinsmen all sat around the dead body and began to lament the death of their friend. His golden bejeweled armor smashed. His ornaments and garlands fallen from their places. His hair scattered and his eyes lusterless. The slain king lay on the battlefield, his entire body smeared with blood, his heart pierced by the arrows of the enemy. When he died, he had wanted to show his prowess and thus he had bitten his lips and his teeth remained in that position. You know, his beautiful lotus-like face was now black and covered with dust from the battlefield. His arms with his sword and other weapons were cut and broken. When the queens of the king of Ushinara saw their husband lying in that position, they began crying, O oh Lord, now that you have been killed, we, are also, we also have been killed. Repeating these words again and again, they fell down, pounding their breasts at the feet of the dead king. As the queens loudly cried, their tears glided down their breasts becoming reddened by kumkumum powder and fell upon the lotus feet of their husband. Their hair became disarrayed, their ornaments fell and in a way that evoked sympathy from the hearts of others, the queens began lamenting their husband's death. O Lord, you have now been removed by cruel providence to a state beyond our sight. You had previously sustained the livelihood of the inhabitants of Ushinara and thus they were Thus they were happy, but your condition now is the cause of their unhappiness. O king, O hero, you were a very grateful husband and the most sincere friend of all of us. How shall we exist without you? O hero, wherever you are going, please direct us there so that we may follow in your footsteps and engage again in your service. Let us go along with you. This way they were talking nonsense. You know, the time was appropriate for the body to be burned, but the queens, not allowing it to be taken away, continued lamenting for the dead body which they kept on their laps. The, the body had to be you know, taken and burnt, but they were not, the queens were not allowing. Already the body is finished, broken and the arms all cut. And the face all turned black already, but they don't want to leave the body, you see. In the meantime, the sun completed its movements for setting in the west. While the queens were lamenting for the dead body of the king, their loud cries were heard even from the abode of Yamaraj. They were crying so piteously. Even Yamaraj could hear their cries. Assuming the body of a boy, he changed himself into a body of a young boy, small boy. Yamaraj personally approached the relatives of the dead body and advised them as follows. Yamaraj, Shri Yamaraj said, Alas, how amazing it is! These persons who are older than me have full experience that hundreds and thousands of living entities have been 
you know, have taken birth and died. Thus, they should understand that they are also apt to die, yet still they are bewildered. The conditioned soul comes from an unknown place and returns after death to that same unknown place. There is no exception to this rule, which is conducted by material nature. Knowing this, why do they uselessly lament? He is saying, they are older than me, I am a young boy. And these older people, they are supposed to be in knowledge, they are supposed to be educated, they are supposed to be, you know, cultured. Where is their culture? Where is their knowledge? Why are the why the civil? You know? Why do they uselessly lament? Every, every, they have never seen a person living forever. One day everybody must die. So now they, the, the husband has died. So what? They are in the same line. They have to prepare for their own journey after death. Why are they lamenting on this? So then he said, it is wonderful that these elderly women do not have a higher sense of life than we do. <laughs> this is very important. You know, the children don't know anything about life. And the elder people, you know, the old people, they are supposed to know about life. You know, they have, you know, so-called wisdom they have achieved. But he is seeing the um, opposite, you know, um, behavior in them. Is it, they are elderly women, they don't have a higher sense of life than we do. Their understanding of life is no better than us, children. Indeed, we are most fortunate for although we are children and have been left to struggle in material life, unprotected by father and mother, and although we are very weak, we have not been vanquished or eaten by ferocious animals. Thus, we have a firm belief that the Supreme Personality of Godhead who has given us protection even in the womb of the mother will protect us everywhere. The boy addressed the women. Oh, weak women! You know, he addressed his... In, until now he was thinking and now he actually addressed the woman. Oh, weak women, only by the will of the Supreme Personality of Godhead who is never diminished is the entire world created, maintained and again annihilated. This is the verdict of the Vedic knowledge. This material creation consisting of the moving and non-moving is exactly like his plaything. Being the Supreme Lord, he is completely competent to destroy and protect. He can do whatever he likes. Is is like his toy. This whole creation is like his toy. You know. Sometimes one loses his money on a public street where everyone can see it, and yet his money is protected by destiny and not seen by others. Thus, the man who lost it gets it back. On the other hand, if the Lord does not give protection, even money maintained very securely at home is lost. If the Supreme Lord gives one protection, even though one has no protector and is in the jungle, one remains alive. Whereas a person well protected at home by relatives and others sometimes dies, no one being able to protect him. You see? Yamaraj is speaking all these things. And Hiranyakashipu is quoting this incident. Later, Prahlad Maharaj is saying the same thing. Uh, so he says, without you, your protection, Narasimhadev, people may take any measures to save themselves, but nothing will work if your will is not there. If your will is that that person has to die, he will die no matter what. And if your will is that the person will not die, no matter what happens, he will not die. Hmm? So, these are some of the examples. So, every conditioned soul receives a different type of body according to his work and when the engagement is finished, 
the body is finished. Although the spirit soul is situated in subtle and gross material bodies and different forms of life, he is not bound by them, for he is always understood to be completely different from the manifested body. So the soul has nothing to do with these changes of the body. Um, just as a householder, although different from the identity of his house, thinks his house to be identical with him. So, the conditioned soul, due to ignorance, accepts the body to be himself, although the body is actually different from the soul. You see this? A householder, different, although different from the identity of his house, thinks his house to be identical with him. So, the conditioned soul, due to ignorance, accepts the body to be himself. This body is like a house and we are the indwelling soul. So, this body is obtained through a combination of portions of earth, water and fire and when the earth, water and fire are transformed in the course of time, the body is vanquished. Hmm? In the Bible also it is said, what is that? Uh, you have come from dust and you will become dust at the end. So, we have come from the earth and we will mix in the earth. Not we, the body. We don't. Therefore, this they say, you know, some, somebody when somebody dies, rest in peace. This rest in peace, you know, they think that the, the person has died and is under the ground, six feet under the ground. He is not there. He is not resting there at all. He has gone already somewhere. There is no rest for the soul. He is always moving. Brahmadbhir purusham puryam manusham janma pariyayat. He is Brahmadbhir. He is always moving around in different, different bodies. There is no such thing as resting in peace. There is no rest. The body will rest, yes. But the soul, there is no rest for the soul. If he is fortunate, he will go to the spiritual world and serve the Lord. But if he is not, he has taken somewhere birth in the material world and he is doing something else. So, this body is obtained. Okay, this is all done. The soul has nothing to do with this creation and dissolution of the body. As fire, although situated in wood, is perceived to be different from the wood. You see the example. The fire is within the wood is perceived to be different from the wood. Hmm? As air, although situated within the mouth and nostrils, is perceived to be separate. And as the sky, although all-pervading, never mixes with anything. So, the living entity, although now engaged within the material body of which it is the source, is separate from it. He is giving all the examples of things that are separate. So, the fire it looks attached to the wood, but no. It is perceived different from the wood. As air is within the nostrils, but is separate from the nostrils. It is not, it is unattached. Sky, it is all-pervading. Uh, it also never mixes with anything. And the living entity also never mixes with any part of his body. He is different. Just like when, when we are sitting in a car, we, when we are sitting in a car, we are not mixing with the car. No, we are sitting on the, on the seat. But we are not mixing with the car, no. We are separate from the car. We are driving the car. The car is separate from us. And when we get out of the car, the car will not move anymore. So similarly, the soul will not move anymore. I mean, the, the body will not move anymore because it is a car. But then the soul, when it goes out, the driver, which we are, then the, the body will not move. But the problem is, we think we are the car. We are this body. We look in the mirror and oh, this is me. That's our problem. When, a, when the driver thinks he is the car, then he has to be admitted into the mental, mental hospital. And that is actually the case with us. We are thinking that we are this body. Yamaraj continued, Oh, lamenters, you are all fools. <laughs> Already they are crying with the death of their husband. And he is telling you are all fools. You know, 
the person named Suyagya for whom you lament, actually he is now a very important point in this verse. The person named Suyagya for whom you lament is still lying before you and has not gone anywhere. Then what is the cause for your lamentation? Now, what is, it's a very good question. Previously, he heard you and replied to you, but now not finding him, you are lamenting. This is contradictory behavior for you have never actually seen the person within the body who heard you and replied. There is no need for your lamentation for the body you have always seen is lying here. (laughs) Very nice, you see. He is saying, you know, that Suyagya, that person for whom you are crying, that you have always seen his body only. You have never seen his soul, right? You have never seen him. He is the soul, not his soul. He is the soul. So, you have never seen the soul. You have never seen the actual person who has been always replying to you or talking to you or hearing you. It was not the body that was hearing. Through the body, the soul was hearing. The soul was replying. The body has no power to reply. So, all the while you have only seen is the body. And that same body is lying down here. So, you are not missing anything. Why are you crying now? Because whatever you have always been seeing, that you have, you are seeing even now. And what you have never seen, that you are unable to see now anyway. Right? So, why are you crying? Um, this is contradictory behavior. You know. You are seeing the same thing as you saw before, but now you are crying. And the real person whom, for whom you are actually crying, you have never seen him. You have never seen him. You have only seen the body of that person all the while. And now you are seeing the same body. You have never seen the person. That is the soul. And now you cannot see him. Hmm. So there is no need for your lamentation, for the body you have always seen is lying here. You are not missing anything. In the body, the most important substance is the life air. But that also is neither the listener nor the speaker. Beyond even the life air, the soul also can do nothing. You see, even the soul can do nothing. For the super soul, Paramatma is actually the director in cooperation with the soul. That's true. You know, in science, in biology, when uh, I... I mean, everybody would learn this in secondary school... So, there are something called voluntary muscles and involuntary muscles. And heart is an example of an involuntary muscle. And stomach also is an involuntary muscle. So, brain is also an involuntary muscle. So, this involuntary means without you thinking about it, it is already beating the heart. Who is beating it? Who is beating it? The Paramatma. The Paramatma by his power... The heart is beating. We are not. We are not taking. We can take effort to lift and you know to move our hands. That yes, we we need to do. We have to put conscious effort to do. But we don't need to put conscious effort to move the heart. We don't need to put conscious effort to uh, do our digestion. We just eat and forget about it, and the stomach will take care of it. The digestion. So these things are automatically going on. What is automatic? That means the Lord, the Paramatma is doing everything in the body. On our own, we cannot even maintain this body. The super soul conducting the activities of the body is different from the body and living force. Yeah, 
the super soul conducting the activities of the body is different from the body and living force. The five material elements, the ten senses and the mind all combine to form the various parts of the gross and subtle bodies. So, what are the five elements? Panchabhuta. Bhumi, Apa, Analo, Vayur, Kham. This is earth, water, fire, air, ether. And the ten senses. What are the ten senses? We know five senses. Eyes, ears, nose, tongue and touch. You know? So, these are the five knowledge acquiring senses. According to Vedas, the knowledge acquiring senses. And there are five working senses which are the hands, the legs, the speech, the genitals and the anus. So, these are five working senses. So, five knowledge acquiring senses with which you would know about your surroundings uh, and five working senses with which you interact and we work in this world. The living entity comes in contact with his material bodies whether high or low and later gives them up by his personal prowess. This strength can be perceived in the living entity's personal power to possess different types of bodies. As long as the spirit soul is covered by the subtle body consisting of the mind, intelligence and false ego, he is bound to the results of his fruitive activities. You know, as long as the spirit soul is under the, covered by the subtle body, he is bound to the results of his fruitive activities. Because of this covering, the spirit soul is connected with the material energy and must accordingly suffer material conditions and reversals continually life after life. It is fruitless to see and talk of the material modes of nature and the resultant so-called happiness and distress as if they were factual. They are not factual. So, it is useless to talk about them. You know, he is saying uh, the happiness and distress of this world. It is useless to talk about them because they are not even factual. They are just like the, the waves that you know, the, the moving of the moon is not factual. The, move is not, the moon is not moving. But on the surface of the water, it appears to move. It is, a, it is the water. We just have to understand that we are looking at the reflection, which is wrong. We should look at the real moon, which is the actual fact, which doesn't move. So, talking about why the moon is moving like this, it's not even moving, first of all. That's the point he's trying to make. You see, it's not even moving. It's an illusion. We're looking at the wrong place. Hmm. When the mind wanders due to, during the day and a man begins to think himself extremely important, or when he dreams at night and sees a beautiful woman enjoying with him, these are merely false dreams. Even uh, we, when we sleep and we get a dream, or we think, oh, that is a dream. And now this is reality. But actually, even work, wakefulness is a dream. It's just a longer dream. This dream will last maybe 100 years after this finish. Just like we don't remember our previous life. Just like we don't remember our dreams. Sometimes many dreams we don't even remember. Only some dreams we remember. So, so just like that, this whole episode we will not remember after the next life. We will not remember. It's just like, it's just like a dream. So, it's just a longer dream. We consider this longer dream to be reality and the shorter dream to be a dream. But actually both are just long and short dreams. The reality is when the, the spirit soul wakes up to his eternal identity as a eternal servitor of the Supreme Lord. That is real wakefulness. When the mind wanders during a day and a man begins to think himself extremely important, you know, he thinks himself extremely important in the day. Oh, I am this, I am that, I am doctor, I am engineer, I am the president, I am this and that. But in the night, that same man does not even know who he is when he is sleeping. You see? And when he, at, when he dreams at night and sees a beautiful woman enjoying with him, these are merely false dreams. 
Similarly, the happiness and distress caused by the material senses should be understood to be meaningless. If I, if I suppose, if I um, now give a talk about a, a dream that I had, who would be interested? I mean, that's your dream. Whether you became successful, whether you became failure or whatever, it was your dream. And there's no point discussing a dream, right? So, in the same way, there is no point discussing about all this material happiness and distress at all. We should be concerned with our reality, with our, which is our spiritual position as a servant of Krishna. That we have to cultivate. We have to wake up from this dream. Suppose if somebody is, you know, sleeping and then some tiger is attacking him. Oh, tiger, tiger, please save me, please save me. Suppose another guy who is awake beside him, his friend, he is looking at him. Tiger, tiger, awake him. Now, how to help him? How to help that person from the tiger? How to save him from the tiger now? Huh? He, 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 cannot, he should not like, oh, what is the dream? Oh, let me understand what is it. No, eh, just wake him up. Wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up. Once you wake up, oh, there's no tiger even. You see? That is the... So, the, when the sadhu, when the people come, sometimes that's why they don't understand. When they come with a problem, they will come to the sadhu and say, uh, Prabhu, I have this problem, I have that problem, I have this, that is going on, this is going on. Then we say, chant Hare Krishna, you know, you say chant Hare Krishna. So, then they will think like, what is this sadhu, you know, he doesn't have a practical solution. You know, he is just asking to chant, you know, he doesn't know anything. You know, I have a practical problem, you know, how can I chant, you know, but they don't know that the answer to solving all the problems is to wake up from a dream-like situation. Then all the problems will be solved. There will be no more tiger, you know, that's like a dream. You know, no more tiger, no danger anymore. So, those who have full knowledge of self-realization, who know very well that the spirit soul is eternal, whereas the body is perishable, are not overwhelmed by lamentation. Krishna also said this to Arjuna. In real dhira, they don't, they don't cry for a for the material relations, no, they don't cry for a dead body, they know what is going on. So, here is saying, those who have full knowledge of self-realization know very well that the spirit soul is eternal, whereas the body is perishable, are not overwhelmed by lamentation. But persons who lack knowledge of self-realization certainly lament. Therefore, it is difficult to educate a personal illusion. This is the problem actually. It is difficult to educate a person in illusion. You know, when, we, when somebody has, is dead, and we go to the, the house and you know everybody is crying and you know and we try to explain to them this whole thing they, they sometimes get angry they actually get angry sometimes I think one of our devotees also faced this you know uh, once uh, there was some incident like that they were doing Kirtan actually you know, the person passed away and they called us you know called our devotees this was before I even joined so um, they called the devotees to do some Kirtan you know and they were doing Kirtan you know like you know like full fired up Kirtan and then they all were like angry, you know, how come our, our person, you know, passed away and you are happily chanting, what is this? You know, have some, you know, decency, you know. <laughs> they don't understand that by that, that jubilant kirtan, that person is helped. You know, and then we, if we try to speak instructions, hey, you should all not cry, you know, they will get angry. That's why it's difficult to educate a person who is in illusion. If he at least a little bit sober, he can understand. But you see, Ramaraj is speaking to illusion people. They are crying and he said, you, you foolish woman. You know, he said like that. Then he explained, this boy. Now you see, a story within a story within a story. This is Hiranyaksha, Hiranyakashipu. He is explaining something to his relatives. In that, he quoted a story of this Yamaraj. 
Now this Yamaraj is quoting another story, small story, to this this people, the the wives of the king of Ushinara. He said there was once a hunter who lured birds with food and captured them after spreading a net. He lived as if appointed by death personified as the killer of the birds. For the birds, he was like Yamaraj. So he was hunting, expert hunter. So he put some food and then he captured them by putting a net. While wandering in the forest, the hunter saw a pair of Kulinga birds. Of the two, the female was captivated by the hunter's lure of food. You know? The female was captivated. O queens of Suyagnya, the male Kulinga bird, seeing his wife put into the greatest danger in the grip of providence, became very unhappy. The wife went to the food and then captured by the net. Then this, this male, you know, the male Kulinga bird, you know, became very unhappy by seeing his wife like that. Because of affection, the poor bird, being unable to release her, began to lament for his wife. He can do nothing, he cannot help her and he was lamenting. Alas, how merciless is providence. My wife, unable to be helped by anyone, is in such an awkward position and lamenting for me. What will providence gain by taking away this poor bird? What will be the profit? You know, when somebody dies, people talk like this, meaninglessly. You know, what will God gain by taking my, you know, my dear, near and dear, the such and such person? You know, what will he gain? Why he is giving, giving me so much pain? You know, what is it? They will talk all these things. And the bird was talking like that. Then he said further, If unkind providence takes away my wife, who is half my body, why should he not take me also? What is the use of my living with half of my body, bereaved by the loss of my wife? What shall I gain in this way? The unfortunate baby birds, you know, then they have babies also. The unfortunate baby birds bereft of their mother are waiting in the nest for her to feed them. I mean, certainly for an ordinary person, it's a very piteous condition. Oh, anybody would, you know, get tears in their eyes, you know, with, with this kind of situation. Mother died, mother captured, death is imminent for her. And the baby birds have no mother, they are waiting for the mother and the mother, they don't know that the mother is already going to die. And the father don't know what to do, cannot help the mother, cannot help the babies. And then he's saying they are still very small and have not grown yet, not yet grown their wings. How shall I be able to maintain them? Because of the loss of his wife, the Kulinga bird lamented with tears in his eyes. Meanwhile... Following the dictations of mature time, the hunter, who was very carefully hidden in the distance, released his arrow, which pierced the body of the Kulinga bird and killed him. Thus Yamaraj, in the guise of a small boy, told all the queens, You are all so foolish that you lament, but you do not see your own death. Afflicted by a poor fund of knowledge, you do not know that even if you lament for your dead husband for hundreds of years, you will never get him back alive. And in the meantime, your lives will be finished. Just as this bird's life was finished, just in the, as he was lamenting and lamenting, thinking this way, thinking that way, you know, what will happen to babies, what will happen to her, what will happen to me, and he died. Same way time is going to, uh, time is like hunter. He, he will hunt everybody down. Time will hunt everybody down. And we are just in this line. He, when, he, when he catches sight of us, that's it. He will release the arrow and we will die also. So, no point lamenting for others. We just have to get on with our own lives. And get on with our own lives means prepare for going back to Godhead. Hiranyakashipu said, 
now Hiranyakashipu. While Yamaraj in the form of a small boy was instructing all the relatives surrounded the dead body of Suyagya, everyone was struck with wonder by his philosophical words. They could understand that everything material is temporary, not continuing to exist. After instructing all the foolish relatives of Suyagya, Yamaraj in the form of a boy disappeared from their vision. Then the relatives of King Suyagya performed the ritualistic funeral ceremonies. Therefore, none of you should be aggrieved for the loss of the body, whether your own or those of others. Only in ignorance does one make bodily distinctions, thinking, who am I, who are the others, what is mine, what is for others. Sri Narada Muni continued, Diti, the mother of Hiranyakashipu and Hiranyaksha, heard the instructions of Hiranyakashipu along with her daughters-in-law, Rushabhanu and Rushabhanu, Hiranyaksha's wife, the daughter-in-law. She then forgot her grief over her son's death and thus engaged her mind in and attention in understanding the real philosophy of life. This is the end of this chapter. Next chapter we will continue tomorrow. Alright? It was quite a interruption in the middle. Alright, so now we will take the questions. If there are any. So we have one from Venkatesh. Bhakta Venkatesh. Indirectly, so question is, indirectly we can say gravitational force is the energy of the Lord only. Just that the name given by scientists is gravitational force, we can say. Um, yes, but their understanding of gravity is because you know the earth is very heavy and everything, will, it will attract towards it. But that is not our understanding of gravity. Uh, our understanding of gravity is that the Anantasesh, actually who is on whose hoods all the universes are there, by his force everything is being attracted towards him and therefore everything goes down here. So in that way it is explained in a different way, not exactly in the way of mass and that way gravitational force is differently understood in Vedic science. Okay, Vishnu Teja, oh so many by Vishnu Teja, all questions by Vishnu Teja only except for one. Hmm. In all, in other Kaliyugas, how were the people delivered without Chaitanya Mahaprabhu? <laughs> Absolutely don't know. Because there was a nice song by who? Uh, Vasudev Ghosh. Uh, what is that? Yadi Gaurna Hoito, Tabeki Hoito, Kemone Dhari Tamde, Radhar Mahima. Prema rasa sima jagate janatoke. So he said, in fact, the whole song goes very nicely that what would have happened to us if Chaitanya Mahaprabhu did not come? How would we have maintained our bodies? How would we have maintained our lives? And who would have ever known the topmost limits of devotional service that comprise the glory of Sri Radha? So, in this way, he, he wrote a very beautiful song. So, I, I do not know how, how, I mean the Lord always has his plans, we don't know, we can't, we can't know how, how it works, but this time we are at least fortunate, you know, that much we know, at least we should not let this chance slip away, which is only comes once in 1000 kalpas, 1000 yugas, 1000 uh, divya yugas, yeah, 1000 kalpas, sorry. <coughs> 
so are there are people born in kali yugas especially sinful uh, mostly yes that's why we are born here is a contaminated age but chaitanya mahaprabhu i mean kalikalayar dharm harinam sankirtan krishna nama sankirtan so by harinam even the worst sinners can be delivered um, what is that harinama uddharilo sarasakshi jagai madhai so the sinful people can be delivered by the holy name that is the yuga dharma in kali yuga so especially yeah kali yuga population is definitely sinful otherwise we wouldn't have we would have taken birth in a better time anyway all are sinful in this material world everybody is sinful pure people means only in vaikuntha another question is interplanetary travel not allowed in kali yuga pretty much pretty much because before people used to travel like we said in another another session previous session that the demigods even until yudhishthir maharaj's time rajasu yagya when he performed he invited the demigods and they came down so kaliyuga they are not interested to come down because all rascals here and people were so qualified during the time yudhishthir maharaj was so qualified that demigods used to come and see him but now there is no such qualified person so they would not come they are not interested to come to the earth so interplanetary travel will be mostly stopped vijay sharma why did hiranyakashipu know so much philosophy but not able to realize god vishnu so as we already know this is by the curse of the four kumaras they had to play the roles of demons um and because he is a devotee jay and vijay hiranyakashipu hiranyakashipu and hiranyaksha so they were actually great devotees though they they know everything but you know they they were cursed by the four sages and therefore they had to be demons and because of the force of the curse they had to behave in that way did hiranyakashipu know he was a vaikuntha gatekeeper well i do not know whether he knew when he was hiranyakashipu but they were always thinking of the lord that much we know hmm. but the demigods knew this the especially brahma and the four sages they knew but whether hiranyakashipu and hiranyaksha knew maybe the lord will for make them forget and make them as demons yeah. we never know how the lord inspired them from within but there's no mention in the scriptures as we know it that they actually knew that they were actually the jay and vijay uh vishnu teja is krishna coming into the material world similar to how a mother visits her criminal son in prison yes very much so but not just a, like a mother but like a president he can actually deliver a president a king he can come and he, if he wants he can take anybody back um so he comes to take us back out of affection he comes he doesn't need to come here but he comes for our welfare next uh, should devotees still vote in elections even if neither candidate is against animal slaughter should devotees still vote in elections even if neither candidate is against animal slaughter yeah that's why this whole uh, voting you know it's like you are forced to commit some sinful activity by supporting either one of them 
so i mean i'll leave it to you <laughs> if if one particular government gives a favorable situation for the krishna consciousness movement maybe it's worth voting for that party but ultimately this whole demo- democracy system is as proper as a demon crazy it's a demon crazy system you know all small small demons they will elect one big demon to rule them and neither of them will be happy and the, the big demon will just cheat the small demons out of the money and everything and in this way everything is put up i mean it's not it's not congenial for spiritual advancement so if it is compulsory to vote then vote for that government which will probably help the krishna consciousness movement in some way and if it's not compulsory there's no need to vote then you know leave it to your discretion and vishnu uh, teja is this narasimha purana so this no this is all from the shrimad bhagavatam will the universe be destroyed after this kali yuga no it will not satya yuga will start this just like after the december not the whole world finished another january will start so like that when the satya treta dwapara kali is finished another satya will start until it is the end of the day of brahma then there will be a partial dissolution until the the, the heavenly pl- i mean the hellish planets the bhurloka bhuvarloka swargaloka all will be submerged in the universal waters and the janaloka mahaloka tapaloka satyaloka they will still be remain and when brahma wakes up in the morning the water subsides and then he'll create all those planets again from swargaloka down he will create all those planets again but when brahma dies at the end of his lifetime then complete dissolution happens and at that time everything will be destroyed everything the whole universe but now after this kali yuga the 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 world will be destroyed all right that is the end of the questions i think of course there might be a lot of vedic references mentioned in the comments sorry i think so actually in the previous live stream and the first part there was uh, there was um, vishwambar prabhu i think he went away so i think that's it so we will stop here grantraj shrimad bhagavatam ki jai varaha dev ki jai shri narsimhadev bhagwan ki jai so we will continue tomorrow with the past times of lord narsimhadev and i will do something to you know remedy the situation of this laptop and i hope we can have a smoother experience tomorrow all right then thank you very much hare krishna jai shri prabhupad ki jai anantakoti vaishnavrind ki jai